Thank you for downloading the Friday Night Comedy Podcast from Radio 4. To find out more, visit bbc.co.uk slash radio4. But not until you've enjoyed this week's news quiz. We present the news quiz with your host, Sandy Toxvig. Welcome to the news quiz. We start with a notice from Hexagon 2, a parish newsletter from Warwickshire, read by Harriet Cass. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of all those things not worth keeping around the house. Bring your husbands. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to Helen McGowan for sending that in. Now let's meet the teams. Will you welcome first on my right, Francis Ween and Fred McCauley. And opposite them on my left, Jeff Green and Jeremy Hardy. Francis, who is in trouble for keeping it in the family? Derek Conway, MP. Though actually not an MP for very much longer, I think, because David Cameron, rather excitingly, has withdrawn the whip from him. Some Tory MPs who pay good money for that sort of thing. Um, and he's he's going to have to go. He's resigned. And he, he made a statement to the House saying, above all, I have let my family down, which is the one thing he's not done. Um, he, he put them all on the payroll. Uh, it started with a, a son called Freddie, who mm. turned out to have been supposedly employed by his dad all the time he was at university. But this is just the hors d'oeuvre, because then another son emerged called Henry. He's my favourite, Henry. He's fantastic. Yeah. I can't get enough of him. I, I, I've been scouring the internet today trying to find more photos of him, because they're all wonderful. <laughs> he likes to be known as Queen Sloane, apparently. He likes to be known as Queen Sloane. <laughs> <laughs> Daily, Daily Mail said, he's also written a history of knitting and is an enormous fan of Judy Garland. I thought, yes, I think we see where they're going with this. <laughs> But it's, it's not just the family, is it, Francis? I think some of the, the son's pals oh, well, have been son, on the, the payroll as well. Michelle, he's rather good too. Yeah. Uh, they pose together. That's the trouble all these things like Facebook, terrible warning to all of us, should we get lured into them, that when we get into trouble, as we all do sooner or later, then the Daily Mail can download all our embarrassing photos from Facebook of us posing in feather burrs and rather too tight shorts um, <laughs> and embracing somebody called Michelle. In every one of those photographs, he looks like he's posing for uh, the menswear section of a 1973 Grattan catalogue. <laughs> they're talking about, oh, this, you know, the, the career is over for the... For, but when you're a disgraced Tory, your career is only just beginning, isn't it? <laughs> there'll be talk radio, there'll be quote-unquote, there'll be I'm a celebrity, Aitken, Archer, the Hamiltons, they, they're just on everything. No, Derek Conway, you won't, you won't have him again. He it's, will, it's, family it's, no, it's fortunes. the boy Henry who will be on our <laughs> He's also, he's, he's possibly the first Conservative MP in history to resign to spend less time with his family. <laughs> Do you know, I, I had the, uh, the 1973 Grattan catalogue and I didn't know there was a menswear section. <laughs> <laughs> but th- th- is it not common practice, though, Francis? Aren't there sort of hundreds of MPs who employ immediate members of their family? I mean, it's not uncommon. Com- th- Mr Conway's not the only one. It's not just it? MPs. I'm the Queen. Well, it's fair, fair point, actually. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's got most of her family on the payroll. No one minds. <laughs> Derek Conway, MP, a man, I think, previously off the news quiz radar, but may I say a delightful addition (laughs) (laughs) to the fold, has been suspended from the Conservative Party and indeed from the House of Commons and faces a possible police investigation over £260,000 worth of taxpayer-funded payments made to his wife and two sons. Conway's indefinite suspension follows a report which revealed he'd paid his youngest son, Frederick, 
£50,000 as a researcher, despite there being no evidence whatsoever of any work being done. And I think, frankly, this is a little unfair. It's possible, you know, the boy did the work, sent it through the post on a couple of CDs, never turned up, I think. (laughs) So then, two points to Francis. Fred, who was first to claim ownership of stopping old bill policies? I think technically the answer was the Conservatives. This well, there'd be a battle on, wouldn't uh, there? This, this was a race issue, mm. wasn't it? The race to see who was first to announce new measures. Tories got in first, but Jackie Smith came up in the rails and <laughs> pipped them to the post mm. because there's going to be a relaxation of stop and search powers for the polis. <laughs> and in fact... I think I read that they're going to be given some kind of mobile phone device. And if there's anybody listening that's not in the police, that's a mobile phone. <laughs> uh, and they can punch in the details of the person they've just kicked in. I don't know who's, who did start it. Well, the, the they, the Home Office commissioned a report months ago. And if you were thinking, right, we need, we need somebody to advise us on having an effective and even-handed police force to meet the challenges of the 21st century, why would you ask former head of the RUC, Sir Ronnie Flanagan? <laughs> so they say to him, Sir Ronnie, what we need is, is sensitive policing that, that keeps public trust and support for the police in a very diverse society. And he'd have said, no, you don't. You just need some rubber bullets. That's what you may want to know. <laughs> They keep talking about the Flanagan report, don't they? And I kept wishing it was the Flanagan and Allen report. <laughs> and now a quick tune about stop and search. It'd be, much, it'd be much jollier. The government and the opposition have fallen out over who first proposed new stop and search powers for the police. Both parties want to scrap red tape associated with stop and search. Home Secretary Jackie Smith, funny spelling, uh, had already... What is that? Grown woman, for goodness sake. She's, she's not a grown woman. Absolutely. Well, she was grown from some culture, from some yoghurt culture, I think, in, a, in, a, in an airing cupboard. She's not a grown... I, I did question time with her on BBC One just after she got in in 97. She was one of the new Blair babes. And I was told to meet her at the station and share a taxi to the studios. The producer, this was about five days beforehand, said, you'll be able to recognise her, she'll be wearing a powder blue suit and this, that and the other. I said, how do you know what she's wearing? Oh, well, she's been discussing it with us already, what she should wear to look at her best. And so we then shared this cab. And as we got to the studios, her mobile went off. And as she was answering it, I said, oh, that'll be Peter Mandelson telling you to behave yourself or else. And she said, how did you know it was... And then stopped <laughs> How dare you presume to know who's ringing me up? And stopped <laughs> Well, anyway, Home Secretary Jackie Smith had already given a briefing on Labour's plans to scrap, stop and search red tape and claims that the plans were stolen by a man who police could only identify as an old Etonian with a chubby face. <laughs> now then, Jeff, why might yes. six formers be asked if they want to go large? Ah, uh, yes. This is this new sort of uh, government idea of putting all education out into the uh, private sector. I think it's just the McDonald's mm. thing. Can you supersize me to a PhD, please? Yep. Um, and uh, I don't know what happens in the exam. You may turn your burgers over now. Um, <laughs> uh, no peeping. I actually did a scratch card the other day and got an A-level, so um, <laughs> I'm not quite sure if it's... It's, um, it's just rather dreadful, although it, it makes some sense. There's another one. It's not just McDonald's, I think. Is it Network, Network Rail? Rail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Although if you get your A-level on a Sunday, it's actually a replacement A-level. Um, <laughs> it just did seem extraordinary that Gordon Brown sitting there saying, oh, this is a marvellous idea. And it was actually it was defended. There's a man called John Denham who's the Secretary of State for Skills. Mm. He said, what does he do all day? Does he balance a spoon on his nose? <laughs> <laughs> 
Look at me spinning plates. At McDonald's, you can get A levels and BSEs. A strange reaction. If the McDonald's legal department was listening, that was Fred who said that. Fred McCauley. <laughs> yes, indeed. If you were ever worried about the dumbing down of education, this should put your mind at ease. The government has awarded McDonald's the right to offer its own nationally recognised qualifications <laughs> equivalent to an A-level, and presumably uh, there'll be sandwich courses. Um, oh. Thank you. <laughs> Two points to Jeff. Jeremy, whose training is not going to be half as good as it used to be? Oh, it's the army. Well, I heard on the wireless that it's not true, but let's go with what it said in the paper. Um, front page of the Times, it said that the ones that go to Afghanistan are only going to get half the training. It's a hearts and minds strategy. You can choose hearts or minds, <laughs> but not both. Um, you just get... 14 weeks or mm. something, they 14 say. 14 instead of 20. They say, you'll be fine, there's some sand, some people will be crossed to see you, some people are dead already. Um, have a good time, you know. <laughs> Main thing is just relax and enjoy yourselves, you know. <laughs> and, and the armies are, you know, just baffled by the fact that they've had to do so much war recently, far more war than they used to, and they're doing anything to get more people in. They've had investigations to find out if there is racism in the army. If there is racism, given that its sole raise on debt is killing foreigners, would it not be a tad surprising? <laughs> Fight no racism. But, um, uh, the army's all overstretched because they're having to do Iraq at the same time as Afghanistan, and they just can't cope. And so they're, they're just sending people out with the McDonald's CSE. They call it, it fast-tracked. You're being yeah. fast-tracked. <laughs> Sounds like a treat, doesn't it? But um, you're actually being fast-tracked to the... Battlefield, rather than through customs a little bit quicker. Well, to be, to be fair, there is a shortage of equipment, so there must be less for them to have to learn nowadays. <laughs> yeah, there's I mean, duck is one thing you need yeah. to learn. Uh, mutiny. Never changed. Is it treason to say that the army should refuse to fight and shoot their officers and go back to barracks? It is. It's a, there's a thing called the, the law? disaffection. Act. OK, so uh, in case the director of public prosecutions is CPS it was Fred is listening... It was Fred who said that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, indeed, nearly 1,000 troops, well, allegedly, what do we know, according to the newspapers, may not be true. Nearly 1,000 troops will have their training cut from 28 weeks to 14 weeks after it was revealed there are significant shortages in the number of British troops available to fight in Afghanistan. If they can't fill quotas, the MOD are going to start recruiting anyone who's ever been paintballing to Laser Quest or on an episode of The Krypton Factor. <laughs> So at the end of round one, the scores are exactly even. Both teams have got four points. And we start round two with an excerpt from a book review in the Sunday Times. Lindsay Hanley is no social theorist, but what makes this emotional book so readable is the candid way in which the author describes escaping the Birmingham estate where she grew up, a background so impoverished, she says, that she was 17 before she even saw her first copy of The Guardian. <laughs> and our thanks to Malcolm Cowie for spotting that. <laughs> Francis, who has suggested that inmates take more vitamins with their porridge? Oh, I don't know. Well, I was about to say it's probably the prisons minister, but ministers aren't called anything obvious like that anymore, as you say. I mean, they're all called skills minister or 
There isn't even an education secretary anymore. I think the education secretary, Ed Balls, is called something like secretary for kids, grannies, lifelong learning, and mucking about. And so there's probably someone who is called secretary of state for interns and... (laughs) People being banged up. Bangaroos. He or she... Probably Jackie Smith, is it, our old friend Jackie? She wants more fruit on the prison menu, is that right? Well, it's actually... Does anybody actually know who has led this study? I think it was commissioned by the Wellcome Foundation. Is this the study where they're going to give the prisoners uh, better food yep. to see if they offend less? But what yep. you might get is really fit burglars. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to give a point to Francis and a point to, to Jeff because it wasn't, strictly speaking, anything to do with the prison people who have done it. It's a study led by Professor John Stein who is the brother of the celebrity fish chef. Rick Stein, isn't it? Rick Stein, absolutely. Is he suggesting more fish for prisoners? Funnily enough... (laughs) The only reason I'm not banged up is because I had a nice steak for my tea last night. (laughs) But this is what's going to happen. People are going to say, oh, sorry, Your Honour, I didn't mean to happy slap him. I was feeling a bit anemic. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't it in Denmark as well? It usually is in Denmark. What? What have we done now? (laughs) It's a model of a country to which I shall be flying tomorrow. Um, Free the the Omega (laughs) (laughs) 3. You can see something in that, though, can't you, the Omega 3 thing? Because, I mean, eating oily fish, clearly good for brain development. I mean, you just know that Jade Goody had very little tuna growing up, don't you? You just... Tuna's not an oily fish, Sandy. Salmon, mackerel, Mackerel. sardines, pilchards. See, you don't know that. And you should do, because you had a bloody shed load growing up in Denmark of oily fish. (laughs) Herring. We had herring night after bloody night. I know. (laughs) I went to see a nutritionist, and she put me on so many supplements that after I've taken my pills in the morning, I'm actually full. Measures to make sure that criminals, or indeed would-be criminals, get a daily dose of vitamins and minerals could reduce violence in prisons and the community at large, according to a study set to launch this year. Young male inmates in England and Scotland are to be given supplements to see if it keeps violent urges at bay. A pilot project found that inmates who took vitamin supplements committed 37% fewer violent offences and had 48% shinier hair. (laughs) Sure, that's not right. Jeff, who's getting hot under the collar about heaters? Is, uh, is this the, the plan to ban patio heaters? Yes. I think it's uh, Euro MPs. It's, what, that non, it's a non-story, basically, because the vote hasn't happened yet, and Corries and B&Q and a few other people are going to ban them anyway, so you won't even be able to buy patio heaters, even though they're banned. It's like they'll be banning dodo omelettes next. <laughs> and I think it comes from this British woman, Fiona, I can't remember her second name, who's a Lib Dem MEP, and she wants them banned because they're an environmental disaster. They're the ones to blame, aren't they, mm. for, for global warming? But the Lib not. Dems. Yeah. <laughs> First time I saw a patio heater in America, I thought, this is mad, this country is mad, these people are mad, they are heating up the outside. <laughs> Go in. That will never come to our country. We are reasonable people. We do not just ape everything they have in America. We are not mad. And it happened here. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently they don't use them in continental Europe, it said in the sun, and I thought, no, that's because they've got, I don't know, warm weather. That way. <laughs> you haven't been in Australia. Do you ever go to Australia? If a cloud goes over the sun, they put that patio de heaters on. I've been there in 25 degrees and they've got the heaters on. That's considered a cold day in Australia. <laughs> Frozen lakes in Siberia have got more methane gas than anybody could possibly calculate. And if the ice melts, all the methane is going to go up in the atmosphere, and we're done for. Or, alternatively, you can drill a hole in the ice and set fire to the methane gas as it comes through, 
It'll be nice and roasty toasty. <laughs> you see, that's just another scaremongering thing, because somebody told me today, right, I was talking about cows emitting methane gas in an unsavoury manner, and somebody said to me, oh, that's nothing compared to how much spiders do. Now, <laughs> I... <laughs> was unaware of that particular orifice on a spider. Now, it probably does have one, but do spiders... Yeah, and uh, I think what you have to do is set fire to the spider farts. Is that why there's holes in the web? Is that the... <laughs> well, I just find it deeply disturbing, the idea of... Next time I look at a spider, I'm going to be having a little listen. <laughs> if he's moving particularly quickly, I think, oh, hello. <laughs> you can put them underwater. What, put spiders underwater? Yeah. It's like finding a uh, leak in a bicycle in a tube. <laughs> so you put a bit of fairy liquid round the... It's <laughs> <laughs> a very good point. It's a very good point. How do you know which end it would be unless you no. put it underwater? Yeah. That's it's... a terribly good point if anybody would like to write in. Spiders might have seven backsides. Isn't it awful that I genuinely don't know? If they've got eight legs, that means four arses, doesn't it? <laughs> there could be one between every pair of legs. Yeah, there would be, logically. <laughs> Two legs, one arse, that's what I've always been told. You never know Thanks how we get where we do on this programme. Right. <laughs> the EU is debating whether or not to ban patio heaters on the grounds that the CO2 they produce damages the environment. Apparently this will threaten... Britain's growing cafe culture. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Patio heaters have allowed us to emulate the continent's cafe culture in the same way that the relaxation of the licensing laws has allowed us to emulate the continent's more sedate and relaxed approach to drinking. (laughs) Jeremy, why isn't 44 the answer to life, the universe, and everything? I had to sing Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now and I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue, and it came out perfectly in tune <laughs> because I was sad, and which is a natural state for me because I'm in my mid to late 40s. Mid, mid rather than late. But uh, apparently, I'm very relieved to find out it is normal for us to be maudlin until we get to about 50. Now, Fred and Mad Frankie... <laughs> Both being in their 50s, is it true that you start to perk up? Oh, you perk up no end once you hit 50. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> because they say that life begins at 40. It doesn't. It just takes you 40 years to work out that it started. No, but you, 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 you feel it in the home thinking, straight. It's great. I do try to live each day as though it were my last, so I lie in bed all day, slipping in and out of consciousness. <laughs> I'm delighted to hear that it gets better. And apparently, by the time you're 70, you're as happy as you were when you were a 20-year-old. Mind you, when I was 20, I was wearing a raincoat listening to Echo and the Bunnymen and the Smiths and being moody and depressing. (laughs) So hopefully it won't be like that. um, Depressing or depressed? Both of those things. (laughs) Depressed people are depressing. But I'm quite looking forward to being old and being perky. I went to see the baby shambles with the dizzy rascal... And I was standing there, there were all these young lads there in their little pork pie hats and their little jackets and their little jeans. They're so sweet. They're a lovely, lovely crowd. But I felt like leaning over to one and saying, I remember that riff when the jam did it, son. <laughs> you, won't, you won't have heard of the jam. Ask your dad, he'll know. Ask your dad. I shan't bother you again. I'm sorry, young man. After interviewing two million people from 80 countries, researchers from Warwick University and Dartmouth College in the US concluded that we are likely 
all of us to be at our most depressed when we hit 44. Apparently, our lifetime happiness, according to Professor, is shaped like a U-bend. <laughs> I love that. Two million people from 80 countries are interviewed, and the conclusion is life's a bit like a toilet. <laughs> Of round two, Francis and Fred have got eight points, but Jeff and Jeremy have leapt into the lead with ten. Before we start round three, here is an advert from the Newbury Weekly News. The Cutting Bar, a brand new concept in hairdressing. A lady can drop in and get a quick haircut for £11.50 and a man for £7. (laughs) Ah, thanks to Margaret Blaine for that. Fred... Have a listen to this. Yeah, see, there's no music, and that is because we were promised some for free, but it never materialised, which leads me to my question. Fred, which company turned out not to have a bootleg to stand on? It's a company called Qtrax, who promised us on Monday that they had 25 million songs for us, Mm. and on Tuesday they said, well, not really. <laughs> I think there was a, an industry get together in Cannes in the south of France, and somebody from Qtrax said, Oh, really, we should be there. And uh, they felt they had to justify their trip to Cannes by saying something that was going to be noteworthy and interesting to the press. And they said, Yeah, you can have whatever music you like. We've, we've got it all. And they didn't. And I think it's great that somebody who's not a politician has made an empty promise. <laughs> Actually, I, me, Fred McCauley, I've got every joke you ever wanted. Yeah. No, nah, I don't. <laughs> don't even have the ones I wanted. They launched the service on... It was launched on uh, Sunday, I think, with a concert. Was it? Um, with James Blunt. I know, wasn't mm. that a clue? They had nothing musical available. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it gets up my nose, to be honest, because they're complaining that we're downloading uh, music for nothing, bit torrents and all that kind of stuff, and, then, and it's usually U2's manager... Then they tell you that they made three hundred and fifty million pounds on their last tour. I can only hope that they put it in a French bank. Qtrax, um... <laughs> a website promising free and legal music downloads, proved unable to offer users any songs and was forced to admit it didn't have permission from any of the major record labels. Uh, despite the popularity of downloading, it is still illegal to download some music, although not unfortunately the music of Phil Collins. <laughs> Jeremy, which airline is no frills and indeed no pleats, no zips or buttons? It's the Germans. I hope Alan is listening. There's a German airline, an internal flight, which is an unfortunate word in this context, who are going to have naked flights for nudists who can't get through one flight without getting their tackle out. (laughs) Nudism is like amateur dramatics. The people who are the most enthusiastic are the ones least worth watching. said that the pilot and cabin crew will remain fully clothed for security reasons. What? <laughs> if you were the pilot, you wouldn't be able to resist the temptation of every five or ten minutes pressing the fasten seatbelt sign just to hear the howls from the back. <laughs> yeah, you, you've got to feel sorry for the flight attendant walking up the aisle as they're about to take off. Make sure this... <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to assume your buckles are done up. <laughs> One of the spokespeople said that our passengers will be naked on the aeroplane, as God intended. There is nothing in the Old Testament about aeroplanes. I think it's the 
it's the one flight that would make an exception and you could take off with the tray table down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the brace position would encourage good personal hygiene, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. I was once on a flight wearing a kilt as a true Scotsman and we had to adopt the brace position. I'll tell you this, I saw things from an angle I've never seen them before. <laughs> But if this fat bloke in front puts his seat back, I'm going to find out if it was possible. <laughs> the German charter airline Ossi Urlaub is offering nudist flights from the city of Erfurt to the Baltic island of Usedom. <laughs> Who wants to go <laughs> between those two places? I don't know. Uh, you know, I can't see the same thing happening over here, can you? I don't see how staring at somebody's dangly bits is going to liven up a coach trip to Rill. Now... <laughs> Before we reveal the final scores, let's hear the cuttings the teams have brought along, Mr Ween. Sandy, this has been sent in, but I think I'd better not say by whom. Uh, It's been sent in by a 14-year-old boy. Suffice to say, Alexander, you know who you are. Um, I don't want to say any more about him because he's taken it from his father's Viagra instruction leaflet. Please find enclosed instructional leaflets for my father's Viagra tablets. He doesn't say whether his father knows about this. Um, There's a bit headed possible side effects. Like all medicines, Viagra can cause side effects, although not everybody gets them. These effects are normally mild to moderate. The following events have been reported. High blood pressure, low blood pressure, fainting, stroke, irregular heartbeat, chest pain, sudden death. (laughs) Fred. I've got this from Thelma Dover in Banbury. It's to neutralise smells in the toilet. Sprinkle a few drops of orange flower water into the toilet bowl. You can also use it as a general household fragrance. To make it, you will need one heap tablespoonful of dried orange blossoms, available from herbalists or some brew suppliers, 0.9 of a litre of boiling water, two small bowls, a sieve, a funnel, a small glass bottle or other container with lid, and a dash of vodka. Place the orange blossom in a small bowl and pour over the boiling water. Cover and leave for 15 minutes. Strain the water into a separate bowl, pressing the flowers well. Bottle and keep refrigerated. A dash of vodka will help it keep that little bit longer. If you'd like a copy of this, apply to Simple Solutions, (laughs) Kings Road, London. Jeff. This is from a chap called Richard Mackay. From the New Zealand Herald, housekeeping staff at the Hermitage Hotel in Mount Cook were called to help an American guest who complained she could not get her pizza out of the microwave. It turned out she had, in fact, put the pizza in the safe in her room and activated the lock. (laughs) Jeremy. I don't know who sent this in, but it's from a property website. And it's under offers in the region of £400,000. Three-bedroom house. Situated in the heart of Bellenden's renewal area, this is a deeply unpleasant three- to four-bed period house. (laughs) Needs a buyer with time, patience, cash, a tanker full of bleach and a strong stomach. (laughs) Right, let's take a look at the final score. Francis and Fred have got 11 points for this week's winners are Jeff and Jeremy with 13. And before we leave you, here is an intriguing headline from the Times. Society of Jesus seeks a new leader. (laughs) And with that, goodbye.
Montage in the news quiz were Francis Green, Fred McCauley, Jeff Green and Jeremy Hardy. In the chair was Sandy Toxvig and the news was read by me, Harriet Cass. The chair's script was written by Lucy Clark, Simon Littlefield and Danielle Ward with additional material by Miriam Alia. The producer was Ed Morrish. again to any of our comedies on Radio 4, please go to bbc.co.uk slash radio 4 slash comedy.